0: Romans chapter 12, Lord, we know there's much that you want to speak to us tonight, and we ask that you clearly would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we saw here in chapter 12, realizing all that God has done for us, by all the mercies and the grace that he's given unto us There's only one reasonable, logical response, and that's that we would give all to the Lord, that we would truly surrender everything over into the hands of God. We see it all the way through the Bible, God bringing man to that place. We see that with Abraham and how he wanted that child, you know, and wanted it, and God promised it, but it didn't come, it didn't come, and and we saw there as Ishmael, he went into Hagar and his handmaiden and had a son by Ishmael and, and it grieved the Lord. The Lord said, no, it's not Ishmael. Oh, but Lord, please let Ishmael stand before you. And God said, no. And there he had to wait on the Lord till he was 99 years old. And the Bible says at that point, it was his body was as good as dead. He had given up In spirit, surrendered it to the Lord saying, okay God, whatever you have is what it's going to be. And remember after Isaac was born, the Lord had him bring him to that place again to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. And when he was completely ready to do it, the Lord said, okay, now I see. I've tested you and I see that you truly have surrendered all to me. We see that with Moses, how he was going to work it out in his own strength and deliver the children of Israel. And then finally he went out into the desert and it says that he was content to dwell with the man Jethro the shepherd. You've got to realize Moses had spent most of his life in Pharaoh's house, in the palace of the richest kingdom of the world. Forty years. Imagine sleeping on the finest beds, having everybody wait on you hand and foot, eating the finest foods. And he was it says in Acts 7, it says he was a man mighty in word and mighty in deed. He was just a mighty guy, man, and he was the man. He just knew it, man, I'm, I'm the man. I've got the position, I've got the power, I've got the sword fighting down, I've, I've got the leadership, I'm excellent in words and excellent. In, and, and he went out and he killed the Egyptian and he said to the Hebrews, hey, don't you fight amongst yourself. Who made you a lord over us? Who made you a ruler over us? And he says in Acts 7, he thought they would know. And there he fled. And for 40 years, he was just humbled and broken until when the Lord said, okay, it's time, at 80 years old, he said, no, 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 it can't be me. We've got to come to that self-death. And when we come as that living, holy sacrifice, saying, okay, God, not my will, not my want, not my desires, not my way, but what do you want? And give ourselves as a living, holy sacrifice then God can work it out. Well, God's going to empower my sword. I killed the Egyptian and I can wipe out the whole... No, that's not the way the Lord's going to do it. Well, how is the Lord going to do it? He'll let you know in His timing. When's that? Well, maybe when you're 80 years old. I don't know. That You've got to come to that place. And then we also saw that you're not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And then we saw that every one of us is a member of one another. Paul elaborates on 1 Corinthians 12... That we all need each other. And those members that seem more comely, they don't get the glory. You know, your nose, your eyes, your mouth, your hair, it gets the glory. But what about your little toe? Could you identify somebody by their little toe? I don't think so. But you could recognize somebody if you just saw their eyes or their nose or saw their hair. You, oh, that's so and so. But yet, have you ever stubbed your foot? Caused that little toe to be black and blue and hurt for a couple of weeks? The whole body knows about that little toe now. All the tension goes there. And all of a sudden, it's needful. And you realize, man, that little toe, it it plays a big part. It's sort of just hanging out there and not making too big of a stink most of the time. Just sort of hanging loose. Just being there. But boy, I've realized it just hanging out, just being there is really, really necessary. And so in the body, the ear can't say, oh, well, I'm so, such a wonderful ear, I don't need the nose or the mouth. Or, No, you may be the most wonderful ear that's ever existed, but you're just an ear. You're just one part of the body. And so if the ear said to the nose, I don't need you, well, where would the smelling be? Not the spelling bee, but the smelling bee. You heard about that guy who got healed from a sinus condition? He said he left the church smelling. Anyway, smelling, it's a joke. Okay, well, let's move on. Obviously, you guys are not into the 99 spirit yet, so we'll get there. Anyway, these are the 99 jokes. so. So we need one another. Now... He says here plainly, we should all be a member. We should all be doing something. Having then gifts. Every one of us have gifts. I think when you're first saved or when you first come into the church, you need to set. You need to just rest. You need to just listen and, and grow. And just be settled into the body. But after about six months or so, Everybody should have a part. I don't know what that may be, but everybody should have a part in the body. Everybody should be doing something, ministering some way to each and every person. And so we all have gifts differing, and we looked at these last time we were together. According to the grace, the gift that God has given you, according to the faith which you're exercising it in, if prophecy, then prophesy, man, according to the faith that God's given you. If ministry let's minister in teaching, then teach it up. If exhortation, exhort in giving gifts with liberality, he who leads with diligence uh, by and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Whatever your gift may be, do it. Step forward boldly, go for it. That's your gift. I've had pastors come up and, and say, man, I I don't know how these guys teach three times a week. How much do you teach, Brian? <laughs> and I said, you know, if I were to look over the last 13 years, I probably average somewhere between 10, 10 and 12 times a week. I teach Saturday night, three times Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, usually in the past two classes even Monday night, Wednesday night, and then I teach chapel at the school almost every single day. This month, I'm doing two retreats and doing the Every Man Answer show 15 times this month. You know, I got grace. I mean, boy, didn't it tire you out? Not at all. I really wish I could do two Saturday night services. And I'm ready to go for the fourth Sunday morning service. If you guys just start bringing your friends, I'll, I'll go for it. I'm ready, man. And people say, can you teach? Yeah. Well, don't you need to pray about it? No. (laughs) That's what my gift is. I just do it. I mean, if God says don't do it, I won't do it. But until God says no, I'm just doing it. And so, again, I don't think we have to really try to stop and figure it out. If we're walking in the Spirit, do that ministry. Now, all of us have the ministry of being a minister. All of us have the ministry of teaching to some degree. All of us have the ministry of giving to some degree. All of us have the ministry of prophecy in some degree. All of these gifts, we exercise in one degree or another. You may be teaching your neighbor kid about how to stay out of your yard. <laughs> but you're going to teach him, you see. You may teach the guy at the light, Hong Kong, get going, it's green. Green, go, red, stop. You know, I, We're all going to teach to some degree. But seriously, you're you're gonna teach your own kids. You're gonna teach your friends, you're gonna share with them. In the same way, you're gonna have a word from the Lord for somebody. God's just gonna You're gonna read a verse and you're just going, Man, that's just excellent for that particular person. When I see them, I'm like, give them that verse. And you're prophesying, you're speaking that word in season. And so God's gonna use you in all these areas, but you're gonna start seeing yourself gravitate and seeing a greater joy and a greater strengthening in a certain area. Some things you do it going, yeah, you know, I, I need to do that. I, I need to go teach Sunday school. I, I, I need to help out. And I need to do that. I, I know the Lord wants me to do that, and it's something I do. But man, I can't wait to go out to the prison to minister again. Man, I just can't wait to get back out there. Or I can't wait to be an usher. Or man, to help out with that parking out there to do the sound or, or whatever Man, I just have this overwhelming joy and I could just do it all day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I just love to do it. That's your gift. <laughs> God's giving you that grace. He's giving you that gift. He's giving you that joy. Don't sit around going, well, I'm waiting for the Lord. To show. He's already giving you the gift. Just do it. Step on out in faith. Say, Lord, lead me, guide me, but just step forward and you'll see the Lord opening those doors before you and he'll give you a grace and a strength to do it. And so, whatever your gift may be, those with the gift of exhortation, we need your exhortation. But, you know, who am I to tell them what they ought to be doing or what they shouldn't be doing? And you're the the anointed of the Lord. The Lord's with you. That's what Moses said, you know. Moses said, who am I? And God said, I am with you. The question isn't, who are you? You're a nobody. That, that's, that's a open and shut case. But that's never stopped the Lord yet. You go all the way through the Bible. The Lord spoke out of a bush. Are you not better than a bush? I mean, if the Lord can cause a bush to burn, He can cause you to burn. If the Lord can cause that bush to Handle his presence. You can handle God's presence. If the voice can come out of that bush, well, the Lord can come out of you too. And he can speak that word. And then, of course, we see Balaam's donkey. You can take whichever one you want, bush or donkey, whichever one fits. But either way, the word was spoken, you see. And God can speak through you. Just do it. Go for it. Exhort. Give. Teach. Lead. Go for it. Everybody should be doing something. And if you're not doing something, you really need to go before the Lord and start asking Him what it is He has for you because then that's something, isn't it? You are doing something. You're asking the Lord what you should be doing. But all of us are active members. If the kidney's dead, you have problems. So... If you're a kidney in the body here, we need you. Start functioning. If you're an arm, we need that extra arm. If you're an eye, please start doing your part. Every part, every part doing it share. Look over at Ephesians again, chapter 4. Galatians and then Ephesians. And if you get to the book of the Philippines, you went too far. Ephesians chapter 4. We see that God's given to the church, the pastors and teachers in verse 11, and prophets and evangelists and so forth, that we all might be what? For the equipping of the saints for what? The work of the ministry. What is my job? teach and preach until you're so filled up, you've got to say, man, I, I've got to do. I've got to act. I've got to do something with this information, with this joy, with this powering that I, I can't sit still. I got to do it. That's why we don't have programs. Okay, guys, we got a prison program and we have a need in that program. We need two warm bodies to go out to the prison. We, you'll never hear that here. We have people that are called by God. We don't call them. We let God call them. And so if people are stirred up by the Lord and they've read Matthew 25, it says, Oh, and you, when I was in prison, you visited me. And you read Hebrews chapter 13, it says, And those in prison as if you were there with them. And God just stabbed your heart going, Lord, how can we not be going to the prison? I, I must go. And you come up and say, Brian, Do we have a prison ministry? And I say, we do now. (laughs) Go for it. What do I need to do? I don't know. God's directed you so far, he'll direct you the rest of the way. Just go do what you've learned here. Just go teach the Bible. And so, again, that's the way it works. And all of a sudden, one day, God shows you to not go to the prison right now, but do something else. Then we don't have a prison ministry. God makes alive and God kills. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant. There's a time to rip up that which is planted. We're not going to try to keep something going that God's not keeping going. Or maybe it's just that somebody in the body is lying dormant. The baton was supposed to be passed to the next person to pick up that baton and take on the prayers of the ministry, but they're not. But we're not going to help it. You've got to hear God. You've got to act by the stirring of the Holy Spirit and that only We can encourage one another to love in good words, but you've got to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. And so it's for the equipping of the saints for that work, for the edifying, notice, for the edifying of the building up, verse 12, of the body of Christ, we're in Ephesians 4 still, verse 13 now, till we all come to what? The unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of what? the fullness of Christ, who so we're walking and talking and ministering and loving like Jesus, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind in doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. From him the whole body, notice, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which, notice, every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The idea is is that every part is doing their share, then there is not the need. But the edifying is taking place. The love is growing, you see, it should be like when they were gathering the collection for the tabernacle. Remember, Moses said, we're going to build the tabernacle and these are the types of materials we're going to need and this is the gold and the silver we're going to need and this kind of wood we're going to need. And, and he laid it out and the people began to give. And in a very short time, they said, Moses, we got a lot more than we need. Tell them to quit giving. And they told the people and they were disobedient. See, they wanted their gold earring to be a part of that Ark of the Covenant. They wanted some of their silver to be in the post for the tabernacle. They wanted some of their purple clothing to be a part of that curtain. They wanted to be able to say, I gave and and my part is there. That was just greatly in their hearts. And they tried to restrain the people and they couldn't do it. That's the way it ought to be where people are just saying, man, I want to be a part. I want to do it. And if it's on the other end where you're trying to pull and tug, say, come on, that takes all the joy out of it, doesn't it? And so again, whatever that is, whatever that ministry is of yours, do it. It's interesting if you look at the facts. Did you know that if everybody who went to church on Sunday in America not those who claim to be Christians, but those who actually go to church on Sunday, that everybody who actually came tithed for one month, that every mortgage on every church in America would be paid off. If everybody once again tithed the following month, we would take care of world hunger. It's pretty astounding, isn't it? That's just America. America. But again, people aren't giving. Often in the prisons, there's not enough people. There's not enough people visiting the sick. There's not enough people for the kids ministry. There's not enough people wanting to go out and evangelize. And so we come back and we just say, let's keep building up the body. But unfortunately in our country, as those behind the iron curtain and those behind the bamboo curtain for years would say, man... We don't know how anybody could be a Christian in America. And we're going, man, we're glad we're not a Christian in China. But they're looking at us going, how could you follow the Lord with Nintendo games and TVs and movies and cars and all that money? How could you ever have the discipline to go to church? They could see it from their perspective because they had nothing. Church was their entertainment. Church was their joy. Church was their fellowship. Church was everything to them. But over here, it's sort of like competing against everything. And man, how can you guys do it? And they really are impressed with Christians in America. So we do have a lot going against us here in America. And I'm sure the Lord takes that into account. But I just say much is given, much is required. And so God here in this chapter is saying, let us rise to the occasion. Christian, don't be like the skunk who comes to church who sits in his own pew. You got to get up. Yeah, that's a a 2001 joke. Uh, I got way ahead of myself on that one. Sorry, Larry. You want to get up. And you want to... Oh, well. Verse 9. Don't just sit in your own pew. Get up. Verse 9. Not only are we supposed to be doing something, but we're also supposed to be being something. So you're to give your life. Then that giving is not just a living sacrifice that's laying there breathing, but it's a living sacrifice doing something. It's a part of the body and it's active in its gifts and it's serving and giving and teaching and exhorting and doing. And also that living person who's given their life and surrendered to God, has character. So let love, as we are loving, be without hypocrisy. Now, again, in the Greek, the word hypocrisy was the word for actor. And if you know much about those kind of plays, and we see them even within the Shakespearean era, the actors would usually have two or three masks in their hand, you know. And they would have the little stick holding on to the mask. And so they would put the mask up and be the villain. And then they would put the mask up and be the good guy. And then they'd put another mask up. And, and this is what it's saying. Don't have a mask. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be an actor. Be really who you are. God didn't save you to try to be some different person. He saved you for who you are. Now, he wants to change your character, but it's really you. You know Satan is out there trying to beat everybody down. You know if we were to take a poll tonight and say secretly write on a piece of paper how many of you think you're ugly. How many think would say, yeah, that's me. Most. But yet God knitted you, fearfully and wonderfully the Psalm says, he knitted you. So your height and your size and your hair or lack of it and your face, all of that is making you the kind of person you need to be to minister to who God wants you to minister to. And so if you were some good-looking movie star person, you wouldn't be able to have the people you need to minister relax around you. If you were some millionaire, people couldn't be themselves in your presence, you see. They would be intimidated by your good looks or your wealth. But who you are is who God made you to be. And now we just need to accept that and say, okay, this is who I am. Now, God, what is it you want to do with this ugly mug? What is it you want to do with these hands? How is it, Lord, you want me to live? And you know, one of the most healing things is to be around people when they really are themselves. They don't change. They're not different. And so to have a genuine love, I've seen so many kids grow up, even kids I grew up in church, who as soon as they got the check, chance they split from the Christian scene. Why? Because they spent their life where mom and dad were arguing and yelling and cussing each other at home, and then as they're driving to church, they're Mr. and Mrs. Christian. And they get to church and oh, how you doing? Oh, praise the Lord, oh brother, you know, I'll be praying for you. And then they get home and say, Oh, shut the blank up, you know, and they're and the kids see this. And they basically start saying, Man. Now we're all gonna fail. And we all put our better foot forward at a public location, whether it's church or the restaurant or wherever. But they should see a consistent realness, not different masks. And God is not asking you to put on different masks, but to really be who you are in Christ. And so God wants to fill you up with his love and then by the grace of God, you are who you are. And so then we also see, abhor what is evil. That's a big problem in our world today especially in the church we're unwilling to call evil evil i'm i'm still amazed at christians who you hear them talking about certain shows or certain movies and or certain magazines they're quoting from and stuff and it's carnal worldly Gross stuff. It's not pure. It has no place in the church whatsoever. Again, look over, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians. Look there in chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Therefore, be followers of God... As dear children walk in love. How? As Christ also loved us and given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and aroma. But fornication and notice all, how much? All uncleanness. This is talking about sexually sexual innuendos. The stand-up comics who are constantly... Saying one crude comment after the next, it should grieve us, not be laughable, or covetousness. Let it not even be what named among you. Why, it's not fitting for the saints. But neither, excuse me, neither filthiness, nor coarse talking, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather what giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator or what? Unclean person nor covetous man who's really an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So don't let somebody deceive you going, well, you know, I know they use God's name in vain 10 times in the movie, but you know, they had great action. Get behind me, Satan. You're a deceiver. That has no place in the kingdom of God. That coarse jesting, that filthy talking, it has no place in my life whatsoever. It was a great movie. There was just one really quick nude scene. That's it. And you know, you can, you can see where it's coming. Just sort of, you know, go get a hot dog real quick or something. You know, it's it's but it's a great movie. You've got to see it. All uncleanness should not even be named amongst us. And then we go on in verse 8 there of chapter 5 of Ephesians. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So what? Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving, being able to test what is acceptable to the Lord. And notice, have no fellowship, no no joy, no communion, no partnership with what? The unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, rebuke them or expose them, make them visible for what they really are. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. We shouldn't even know enough to carry on a conversation. Well, that show, you know, that one where there's that guy who's a homosexual and his next door neighbor is that girl, and you know, you know that one. I don't know. I I'm roughly remember seeing the advertisement. I don't know. I can't carry on a conversation. Oh, well, you should have saw last week. I, I didn't, really, you know, I didn't really see it, but I, you know, I I heard about it, you know. it's like, man, let's just be ignorant. I don't even want to know about what is entertaining to those to the world in that scene. But in verse twelve, but. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things are exposed, are brought to that place of rebuke, and made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Notice, he's talking to the church, awake you who sleep. I'm not talking to you who're sleeping right now, I mean spiritually. Spiritually, wake up and arise from the dead. Wow. Christians can sink back into the darkness. Christians can sink back into the world. Christians can get back down into that muck and mire of the world where they are desensitized and don't realize how unclean it is, what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're watching, how they're living. And it's almost like they need to be born again again. It's almost like you need to be raised from the dead again because of, of your fallenness. And Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully. In other words, we just can't haphazardly walk. There's time bombs everywhere we go. Landmines everywhere you go. Watch out. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming, buying out of bondage, buying out of slavery, time. Satan is trying to take your time away because the days are evil we live in evil days. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's God's will? That you're not drunk with wine, but you're drunk in the Spirit. I mean, literally, you're so filled with the Spirit, you're speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. You know how people are drunk sometimes, and they're just open. They just sort of Share everything that's on their heart, everything that's on their mind. Oh, I really love you, man. Oh, and they're just there's just this openness, and and they really are sharing what's in their heart. The alcohol has caused them to loosen up, and to let their masks down, and to really be who they are, good or bad. You get to see whether they're a tender or a mean person when the alcohol starts flowing. And he's saying you just be so overcome with the spirit of God. You're not Trying to put a mask on. You're not trying to appear to be somebody. You're just so full of the Holy Spirit and so full of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. You're so full of, of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that people just see that joy of the Lord in you. And then it says, giving peace. Notice, for what things? All things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this: submitting one to another in the fear of God. So there is this joy. There is a speaking. There is this submission. There's just this whole work of the Holy Spirit going on in your life. But the problem is, is you got to hate what's evil before that which is good can rejoice in your life. You can see people who are in bondage to pornography. They their countenance. It's like they're plastic. I used to have a neighbor that was into it and and... It's sort of like, how are you doing? I'm fine. You know, he's just in this little tunnel of his life. You know, I need to see more. I need to get more. I need everybody and everything is a distraction for my lust. Or people that are absorbed in TV or in movies or in whatever sinful act they're in. They're just, it's consuming them. And so there's no place for the Holy Spirit. There's no place for the freedom in the Lord. There's no place. They're in bondage to that thing that's going to bring them excitement, you see. I'm sort of depressed, but once I go watch that new movie, woo! you know, I'm going to get excited again, and I'll be like, wow, isn't that cool, man? Let's go watch it again, man. Let's, you know what? God's given us all things to enjoy. There's good stuff out there. Watch it. Enjoy it. But that's not what should be getting you high. That's not what should be lifting your spirit. That's not what, I'm feeling a little down, maybe I'll go... You know, eat a box of chocolate bonbons. You know, oh man, ooh, that'd be great. You don't don't want anything to stimulate you, but Christ. Now, we're in sinful bodies. And the reality is, is sometimes that which is evil, even as Christians, we like it. There's been times in my life where God just shows me clearly out of the Scriptures or from a sermon, that is a sin in your life. And I'm like going... (laughs) <laughs> but I love it. Man, I just, I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel convicted about it. I don't feel like i got to give it up. I'm just like, wow, I love it. Do you know what's sin? Yeah, I know. But I love it. That's just our sinful body sometimes. And that scares me when I'm like that. And I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I'm loving evil and that which is good is boring to me. That which is good is not interesting to me. I love Back to back, double features, five hours. But, man, a 45 minute sermon. Isn't that just a little bit much, God? See, something's wrong here. My passions are misplaced. Lord, change me. Change me. I'm not wanting to love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. For me to give all my strength to you is, ugh, oh, I feel like jello when I come to church. Man, I feel like a warrior when I'm head not doing my thing. No, it's not the way it should be. God, help me to hate what's evil. And then He also says to cling to that which is good. To be a barnacle like the, out in the ocean on the bottom of the ship you know, or on the pier, just leeching on to that which is good and hanging on to it with all your strength. Lord, help me to love prayer as much as You love prayer. I think of our brother Cornelius there in Acts chapter 10. And the angel appears to him and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers, and in heaven there's a monument to your prayers and to your giving. The Lord's taken a note. He just loved to pray and He loved to give. And there, there was a monument in heaven to Him, even before He was saved. The Lord just saw His heart crying out to Him, and He loved it. Man, Lord, help me to love prayer. Help me to love to hear the preaching of the Word. Help me to love to read the Bible. Just, man, I'm just excited. I can't wait to get off work and to drive home. I'm speeding home and grab my Bible and just, oh man, just, oh, I just need an hour in the Word. Oh man, this is so neat. It's so exciting. Oh man, God just filling my heart up. Oh, oh, man, I'm just so healed. I'm so excited. I want to tell somebody about what I read today in the Word and. And help me to love that which is good. Help me to cling to that which is good. And the things in the world, you know, whatever, you know, take them or leave them, it's okay. You see, that's, that's where we want to come. Lord, change our heart, change our mind, change the way we think. Help us to hate evil. Really, really hate it to the degree you hate it. And to really love the things you love, God, to the degree you love them. Often we love the things God loves a little bit and we hate the things God hates a little bit and we're very confused, very mixed up. Don't forget, your heart is desperately, deceitfully wicked. You want your emotions to be some kind of indicator what's good or not good? Folks, uh uh-uh. Satan will give you a piece of this world. You'll have a piece of this world to go Get drunk you'll have a piece of this world to just sleep in and not go to church this sunday i've got a piece of this world to not read my bible but to read the reader's digest or whatever you want your emotions to agree with your flesh it will happen that's why we can't listen to it we got to go to the word we got to say god i see what you are saying and i'm not there I don't want to expose those things that are darkness in my life. I don't want them out yet. I know it says that filthy talking has no place, and coarse jesting has no place in a believer's life, but ha, I can't wait to get home and listen to Jay Leno's Dirty Mouth tonight. I can't wait to hear about his sexual innuendos and what new joke he's made up about Monica Lewinsky and the cigar or whatever. You know, I, I can't wait to hear about that corruption, again, I just think it's so funny and I think it's just, oh man, I just love to... But God, it's clear in your word. I'm not to be a part of that and that you are going to judge and people are going to spend eternity in hell because of these things. Yet you're not going to send me to hell for it, but yet I'm still practicing it. That very thing that grieves you enough to send people to hell for, I'm willing to say... Well, at least I'm not committing adultery, so what's the big deal with a little filthy language? I'm not killing anybody. What's wrong with a little coarse jesting? It's just not fitting for those who are Christians, but rather giving a thanks. What should be going on is psalms and hymns and spiritual songs speaking to one another, joy in our hearts to the Lord, looking like we're drunk, not with wine, but just in the Spirit. We're just so free and so overflowing and, and our hearts are so bubbly. We're just oh man, God's so good. Today I was up at Marietta and there's a plumber up there. Really enjoy his fellowship. And so I saw him I said, man, what's the Lord saying today? And he said, do what God says and hang in there. He's a plumber. You've got to remember that. And so... And I said, "Yeah, man, I—that's I, what the Lord's speaking to me that too, you know." So a little later, I—he was working. I came up and I poked him in the side and I said, "Be fervent in prayer." A little later, I was eating and he came up and he poked me and he quoted a scripture in my—it it just such joy. Just to be able to have that in your heart, verses, Psalms, hymns, spiritual. My wife in our bathroom, she puts little verses in the on the mirror and I read them, you know, and I know all the kids are reading them, you know, just admonishing one another to love that which is good and to hate that which is evil and to have that unhypocritical faith that I'm just who I am all the time, on the basketball court, out playing ball, wherever I'm at, this is who I am. I'm not pretending to be that way for you today. I'm really that way that's God has done genuinely that work in my life that's really who I am in Christ, boy, what a joy what freedom that's that's where we need to be in Christ wherever we're at I had one home fellowship there's a brother leading worship and it was christmas time and and as he was playing, he bumped a figurine off the and it went on the floor, and, and he said, Oh, S H I T. And everybody just started laughing. You know, it's just where he's at in Christ. You know, it's not good, but it, it's not that bad either. I mean, it's not, hes he is who he is, and it's not like, gee, you know, you really got to put on a face here. You're in home fellowship. No, that's not the way it should be. Love covers a multitude of sins. We are where we're at. And if we're weak, we should be able to show it in a certain area and not be judged, not be condemned. In the same way, if we're struggling, we should be able to say to a brother, I'm struggling. You're struggling with that? No, it shouldn't be that way. We should be unhypocritical, just a genuine love. And then, God help me to hate what you hate. Help me to love what you love and continue my life in that direction. Well, I expected to get farther here tonight, but I'll tell you what, this is in-depth study, so we're in no hurry. But this stuff down in these other verses is really very, very exciting stuff. Can't wait to get there. Lord, man, we, we get it we really get it tonight Lord we hear your voice we really understand what you're saying and it brings joy to our hearts Lord we know we're all to be doing something we know we're all to have a character that's growing and Lord we come before you now asking that you would give our life a strengthening here tonight there'd be a greater joy a greater determination a greater commitment there would be a greater surrender of really laying down our lives before you. We just come to you now, Lord. Take all the hypocrisy out of our life. Lord, there's evil things that are going on in our world and they're a part of our lives in some areas. And it's clear. We look at Ephesians 5 and it's clear. That's not we should not have to be a fellowshipping with those unfruitful works of darkness, but we are coarse jesting at work and filthy language and perversions that shouldn't be going on, and therefore we don't have that true joy in the Holy Spirit. The psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are sort of, well, I'd rather listen to the radio. Lord help us. Because there's a life in the Spirit. There's a life where you are constantly on our minds and we're praying without ceasing. We're meditating your word day and night. We want that life full of power, full of strength. Lord, we come before you now and we ask that thy kingdom would come. Thy will would be done on earth, here, in our lives, as you desire it to be from your heavenly perspective. Wake us up, Lord, we ask. Help us to rise from the dead tonight. Shine on us, Lord, and give us Your light. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything,